You may have a seat. Last week, we started a series on the fear of the Lord. And in Proverbs chapter 1-7, which we'll look at in a moment, it talks about the fear of the Lord being the beginning of knowledge, beginning of knowing reality. The foundation for that is the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 9, it talks about the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom, and wisdom being like knowing how to live well, knowing what, how to, what to do, how to, how to do what's best. And so the starting point is the fear of the Lord, and that's why we're doing this sermon series. But the question is, what exactly is the fear of the Lord? And how do you get it, and how do you live into it? And that's not so straightforward. The fear of the Lord has some mystery to it. And so what we're doing is we are going through... Um, we're going through passages. Yeah, I just distracted myself. Can you see my glasses? Yep. Thank you. I thought you saw. Great. My bad. Ah. So we're, go- we're going through multiple passages to get a sense, to immerse ourselves in these ideas of the fear of the Lord. And we're even doing like the main passage that I go through at the nine o'clock service is the main the one that I go through at 1030, just to give a, a broad sense of all the ways that we can enter into the fear of the Lord. So last week, what I... Um, the, the aspect that we looked at about the fear of the Lord is the fear of the Lord is living as if God is actually God and that that matters. As if God is actually God and that matters. And we, we looked at the book of Job at the nine o'clock service and one of the main points coming out of that is that we answer to God, God does not answer to us. At a subconscious level, we often uh, live or think like it's the other way around. Like, why is this happening, God? Why aren't you doing this, God? If you're really good, you know, we, you know, God's on trial and we're just, in the end, ultimately, we answer to him. And then at the second service last week, we went through Hebrews where it's a book of the Bible that talks about how Jesus uh, is far superior to uh, what came before him. So there was a way to relate to God before Jesus came, an old covenant, an old way to get into right relationship with God. And Hebrews goes through all kinds of ways that now that Jesus has come, the new way of relating to God is way better. But it warns if that's the case, and in the old way that wasn't as good, if you didn't follow through with it, it was like a big deal. How much worse if in the new way, which is so much better, we walk away from it and don't do it. And the Lord promises that he is going to shake everything that can be shaken. Everything that can be, at some point, everything that could be shaken, the only thing that's unshakable is his kingdom, and we're invited into it. And so those were ways that we talked about the fear of the Lord, and that God is actually God, and that's part of what it means. So today, going back to that Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 passage, uh, where it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What we... What is helpful to know is that in Hebrew poetry, often when there's two lines put right next to each other, they are restating the same thing or a similar thing from a different angle. And so when it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, that's the first line, now it's going to come at it from a different angle. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. And the Hebrew word for fool is avil. Avil, and this would be how... You'd write it in, in English, which actually got autocorrect when I gave it to the person to put it into the slides I got here this morning, and it said evil, because they just assumed I spelled it wrong. But that is, so, 
and that is helpful because the Hebrew understanding of fool is, just, is not just, oh, they're so silly, or oh, what an airhead. Or, it's not that. It is more like, like they are a scoundrel. There is a moral quality to it. There is something like that, and that is not going to go for living well to God. So it's the opposite of the fear of the Lord. Now, in Proverbs chapter 3, the most, one of the most famous passages from Proverbs, it's the one that people might you know, get in graduation cards or that kind of thing, is verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. If you apply this passage, it will... It will so help you apply all kinds of passages in Proverbs. It's like a key, but it's not just that part of this passage. If you keep reading, it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Turn away from evil. Shut the door on evil. And that's the aspect of the fear of the Lord I want to talk about today because as I look at different books in the Bible... When it talks about fear of the Lord explicitly, which I think the idea is a theme through the whole Bible, but when it talks about it explicitly, it emphasizes usually fear the Lord and turn away from evil, shun evil. So in Ecclesiastes, which is another book that's written about how do you live wisely and how does life work, but it's very different than Proverbs. Proverbs is like, put these things into practice and it'll be good for you. And Ecclesiastes gets to like, things don't always work. Like they, it seems like they should. But they have the same thing in common. In chapter 12, kind of summarizing, it's the very end of the book saying like, okay, you've heard all these teachings on wisdom from me, and now the teacher says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. And in the Old Testament, when it talks about fearing God, it's usually also along with hearing his voice, obeying his voice, obeying him, fear God, obey his commands. And then it's also um, at the same breath, I'm thinking of Deuteronomy over and over again, in the same breath it is fear God, obey his commands, and stay away from evil and idols. It's, a, it's usually in the same thing, serve God, don't serve other gods. It is so there's the, it's the flip to the same coin when it says, fear God and keep his commands. It's like the other side of the coin of fear God and stay away from evil. It is communicating that too. Now, in getting ready for my message on Job, even though I did not talk about this last week at the 9 o'clock when I gave the, the sermon on Job, I, I learned from the Bible Project uh, people, which there's a podcast Bible Project, which is really great if you want to learn about the Bible, um, that Job is is this really long book, like 40, 40 chapters. It's very confusing to figure out, and what are, they, what are they really trying to say? But there is a little bit of a key in it, in that Job is giving speeches about three-quarters of the way through the book. He's giving his final speech. And then out of the blue, in chapter 28, there's just like an interruption, and the narrator explains something. And basically, the narrator says, like, human beings, they are, they really got, got it together because, like, they... They can go find treasure under the earth. Like, 
Birds are flying around and they see all kinds of things, but they can't see what human beings are, which is like if you dig in, you can get to gold, you can get to jewels, you can get to all kinds of precious resources, and they do it. Lions at that time, they're roaming the land. They seem like the king, but they don't even know what's going on. They don't even think to look like this is where you would get really valuable stuff. And humans don't just know it, but they figure out how to get it and they figure out how to bring it out. And like that is crazy. And then it's just like, and that's kind of like it is with wisdom and God. Like, human beings don't even know where to look for wisdom. Like, God knows where it is, and he knows how to get it. And we, there's that much of a difference that without him, we don't even know how to get to it. And at the very end, when it's saying, you know, he alone knows where it dwells and how to get it, then this is what God says. And God said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. And so I say that because I think that's a, or I go to here because I think this is another key to the whole book of, an, of the Bible, just like there's a key to Proverbs and a key to Ecclesiastes. It's not the only main thing, but it is a main thing that God is trying to communicate. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This is how we live. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And so today, what we're going to look at is a passage out of Acts to help live into this idea of what does it mean to fear the Lord and what does it mean specifically to fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So I'm going to start with a little background because we're really going through a story in Acts 5, but Acts chapter 4, verse 32. So the, 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 some of the leaders of the church have been arrested, have been threatened, don't talk about Jesus anymore, and, in, and they have just come out of a prayer meeting where they're saying, like, make us bold, God. Make us bold. Make us willing to talk about you and, and come with power. And they ask for power, and the, one of the first ways that power, I mean, what does it say? Stretch out your, I didn't mean to get to this. This is, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders. So signs and wonders, we're thinking like healings, miracles, this kind of thing. But the, the sign and wonder that starts with is what I'm about to read. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. That was the sign and wonder. The sign and wonder is they became so generous. There was nobody in need. From time to time, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So this is what's happening at the time where we get to the story that I want us to look into about fear of the Lord. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? You have not lied to just, just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. 
About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Okay. One of the reasons I like this passage for our Fear of the Lord series is that I don't understand it. And so I think it'll be great for the groups that are talking about, like, what is going on to try to wrestle with this? Because I think that those things that aren't just super clear can be an invitation into, like, God, you're bigger than us. And we want to know, we need, there's more to know about you than we know right now. But, I mean, that, that, it's still disturbing. It's still disturbing. Before I get into, like, the actual event here, I, may, I have a realization I came to this week, which is I would like it if God operated like this a little bit more. Tony Rosenboom loaned me a book, Killing Hitler, and it is like story after story of people who attempted to assassinate Hitler over a period of years, and so many times, like, came super close. It's almost like there was divine intervention to save him, and that is so crazy to me. Like, I think how it should work is that God would be like, no, you're dead. Like, after a certain point, like, I'll give you a third chance, fourth chance, but if you're going to go be a, gen you know, do genocide, then I'm just going to kill you. I don't, you know, that's not how, so there's part of me that's like, yes, like, go ahead, God, come on down. But then when I read this, I'm like, but for this? It was, it, that they, for one, they sold land. Sacrificial, you know, I mean, maybe they were super loaded and they sold land, but still, they were, you know, doing an act of generosity. They just pretended to be a little more generous than they actually were. If this is still, but this is not like this is how God does things, because if it was, there would be a lot of dead Christians. And here's the reason that I, I know this. I, I, I can't look back, I couldn't find where I've seen this, and so I don't even know if it's up to date, but I know I've seen multiple times where they talk about how when they, ask Christians if they tithe, that there's a good percentage of them that lie about it, that say, yes, we tithe. Tithe is to give 10% of your income to, to the church or to the kingdom of God. So here's why they, you know, why, why would you lie about this in, in surveys? So, well, you know, there's could be like, why well, don't you, they don't really understand tithing, so they think they do, but they don't understand 10%. Or they, but this is what more commonly, like, well, they have before, or they do occasionally, but they don't in an ongoing way, and so they consider themselves to be people who tithe. In any event, according to this, like, that would be dangerous to say, like, yes, I do, when you don't. And it's not just that, like, same thing about church attendance. Church attendance, do you attend church? Yep, there's a high, yeah, I come this often, well, really, they don't, they go this often. But it's not just, like, that people don't go, like, the way churches report church attendance, there was a study done where they're saying, you know, they get answers like, how many people go to your church? How many people go to your church? How many people attend on a regular Sunday? And so they get all the numbers in a region. And then they go the next bit, and they go to the churches in the region. This is before COVID because that's kind of messed up church. And they go to it, and they find, like, there is no way. All these churches have to be misreporting because that is not where the numbers are. 
So all I'm saying is like, if this still happened, we would be dead. And, and why? For what? Like, who can Like, just be honest. You know, what are we... So, what are we supposed to get out of this? How are we supposed to apply this? I mean, I've just established God's not doing, like it's, he's not doing it this way. I'm getting, talk to each other. This is totally unpremeditated, but I, I'm, I'm curious if anybody's got anything. <laughs> talk to each other, everybody's looking at me like, are you, are you kidding me? Do you have any ideas? Wild hair guesses, like, what are we supposed to get out of this? Or not wild hair guesses, like, what are we supposed to get? I'm going to give you, like, two minutes. Try to find somebody nearby and just give a guess. All right. Anybody willing to share, like, throw out, you know, just pretend it's the person next to you that, yeah. Uh, so you're just looking at Job 28:28. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Well, hang on. Let me get this because I'll forget, and not everybody could hear Nick from there. So, so he was saying he was comparing it to what we just read out of Job twenty-eight, where it talks about the fear of the Lord is wisdom, and that at the end of this, the fear of the Lord came on the church, and so wisdom was released in the church. We might need to trade spots. That's pretty good. That's pretty good right there. All right, and what are you going to say, Nicholas? The punchline of my sermon, I'm never doing this again. Those <laughs> two just kind of got, got where I was going. I love it. All right, what else? Yes, Nick. There's all the Nicks. Nick, Nick, Nick. All right, here we go. As far as people falling down, just the, the deceit or lies that we tell even inside ourselves, hard as our heart, if our hearts are in stone, we are dead. Okay. Oh, interesting. So that's just a picture of what's really going on. If we're hardened in our heart, like our hearts are like stone, then it's like we already are dead. And so they fall down dead. It's like a picture of what's really going on. I like that. Anybody not named Nick got anything to... Ezra's worried about counting attendance today. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a moment. Slow. Got it. Yeah, Allie. Mm. Yeah. So she's saying the translation that she's reading out of it says, you're not just being phony with men, but with God. You're phony with God. It's interesting how we'll be, we, I think we can be like, in our minds, kind of deceiving God, and the, but the motivation is because of we're worried about what people think. We're so worried about what people think that we're willing to even deceive, you know, so it were, if it were possible, God, or think that you know, God's not seeing any of it. And that's the fear of the Lord, is to realize God does see it all. Like, he's not having us drop dead right now. But that doesn't mean that we aren't going to face him someday. 
That doesn't mean that it doesn't matter right now. It actually does. It actually does. So uh, during my sabbatical, um, Camille and I had an opportunity to go meet um, a, a person who's a leader in the church um, that's in, become internationally known. And I have followed him for years. I listened to his messages, read some of his books, you know, been to places where he's, he's been, and just really impacted. Like if you're telling me, who's one of the biggest influencers in your, that you know, not of like that you know personally, but like uh, that's a lot day. This would be at, toward the top of the list. And I've actually always, I don't know, it's kind of weird fantasy life. Most people have more exciting fantasy life. Like I'd love to meet him someday. And through no effort of my own, just got an invitation that we would, we would do it. And our assumption was there's going to be like 50, 60, 70, 80 people there, and he'd shake everybody's hands and then, you know, and then move on. Well, it ended up being um, like 12 of us for an hour with, with this gentleman and his wife. And it was really exciting. And then a week and a half later, one of, well, one of the things that I love, love about this guy is like everybody for years, from all kinds of different angles, like the integrity, the integrity. When he gives message, you could just, the e oozes fear of the Lord and integrity. And then like within a week, it comes out that he's done a lot of things not good for a couple decades. And eventually he's confessed to some of it, but it seems pretty clear that that's true. There's even like almost a double life. And that really bothered me. I'm like, how could you talk in a way that appears that you're transparent and vulnerable and, and like sense like I would never and then really have that going on like the whole time? And so I was talking to my friend about this and as I just don't, I don't know how to, I don't have categories for how you could live, operate that way. It makes me nervous. Like, and he said to me, he's like, well, I'm guessing that he found a way to convince himself that what he was doing wasn't wrong or was okay or could be. And then he said, and I do that. I probably do that all the time. And I was like, yeah. I mean, not, uh, I'm not thinking about the things that this guy is doing, but I'm thinking about like my materialism. I'm thinking about the way I talk about people the way I talk to people, you just start going down and I can just like, and maybe partly it's because like, how could we live with ourselves? Right? Like there's that many ways that we get off, I think. But part of it is just don't have a fear of the Lord. We've got, to, our standard is much more human based in terms of what's right and wrong or good and evil and how much you, you know, you take it in. Thinking about what I watch Watching some of the shows streaming now, I try to go for a while because these are the main shows, and they're cleverly written and things like that. But I realized, I think it was last year, watching one of these, I realized, like, if I had seen this 15, 20 years ago, I'd turn it off because of just kind of the vulgarity or the... And now, because over time, evil gets normalized, I just say, like, bring it in. But there's a spiritual reality and what we have on our screens, the spirituality, it, 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 we come into our home. So if you think about what you're watching on your screens, the violence, the sex, the, and you just thought like, and 
Why don't you come in and do that right here in our house? It'd be like, who, why are you letting people do that in your house? Because we don't fear the Lord. Because we don't actually think something spiritually is coming into our house. And I'm not here to be like the, the prude police of like everything, but I am here to say like, well, how much we think we can handle evil without it affecting us, I think we overestimate ourselves. I think we overestimate ourselves. And the fear of the Lord would be like, hmm. I mean, you know, I've over the years often, like my sportsaholicism, uh, you know, it's one of my idols or whatever, although it's, it's not, not the same nearly at all anymore. But I was talking to a person who I feel like is more spiritually mature, and they said, well, I don't know that you necessarily need to give up all sports, but if you're going to go watch a game, watch it with Jesus. You know, just recognize Jesus is with you. It's a lot harder to do during the sex scenes. But the fear of the Lord is, he's there. So, fear of getting to the, the Nick Nicholas combo over here. The fear of the Lord, this happened back then, and the fear of the Lord sweeps the church. Now, this isn't about money, because he said, that's your property. It was your money. There was nothing wrong with giving none of it, giving all of it. But the fear of the Lord will impact our mo- how we handle money. Like the level of the fear of the Lord will have an impact of what we do with our money. But that's not what this is about. This is about recognizing he is there and what he thinks matters. And what we do has consequences. And so great fear seizes the whole church. And what is the result of great fear seizing the church? Well, let's read what comes next. Chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. So, What I've noticed in getting ready for the Fear of the Lord series is that this is not an isolated situation where the fear of the Lord comes and the immediate after effect is people going in Jesus' name or people responding to Jesus, like the power of the gospel being released more as a result of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord actually brings good. What, what follows in its wake in a boating is good. Is good and is especially good for the gospel. I mean, they're driving out demons. Let me tell you, there are people who are wrestling with their demons. And it could be more mental health or it could be addictions or it could be literal demons. 
but they are like feeling desperate for it. And what I would long for is the power to be able to say, get out of that person's life, and it's out. In the name of Jesus, get out of that person's life, and it's out. And that happened here. And that's still happening today. But if a church just wants to play with evil, but also say, yeah, I will follow you too. I mean, I'm a Christian, and I'm going to do everything else like everyone else does. It's just harder. It's just different in our ministry because it's not, it's not a game. So I'm going to have one more, I'm going to have one more place I want us to go before, before we go to communion. But here's the question I want you to just sit with for a moment. Do we want our church to be seized with great fear? Do we want Celebrate to have a strong sense of the fear of the Lord? Do you want the fear? We just read about it. Do you want the fear of the Lord in your life? Please come back next week. I really doubt. There's, there won't be time. There's baptisms and stuff. I won't talk talk again. I won't do this next week, so come back. But please, like, what do you, what would that be? It's not going to be, by the way, if the fear of the Lord is going to come here, it's not going to mean like, well, someone's going to drop dead. But it could be something like that. And then good follows in its wake. Would we want that? Just a minute. Just give a minute of like, hmm, what would that look like? What would that mean? Thanks for being willing to think about it, and some of you even being willing to talk about it a little bit. Um, so I try to be open to seeking God, like, what are you leading into, you know, what are you leading me to talk about? What would you lead, be leading me to pray on any given Sunday? And then to be open like that, whatever I have in my mind ahead of time, it may or may not be how things play out. And so one of the thoughts I had coming into this week um, was that at one of the services, we would pray strongly to be delivered from evil. To be delivered from evil in our lives, in our community, like just like evil get out. And that if we're doing that in agreement, that the Lord would come among us and he, like he would rise up. He would, he would, we would see a difference. Like it actually would make a difference. I had that feeling. In between services, I, had a, I went to the prayer ministers and got prayer. And as I was getting done, what I sensed the Lord say is, I, I am I'm ready to do that. Do you want great fear to come? Like before we would pray, like, God, get evil out of here. Get it out of my life. Get it out of that community. Get it out of that situation. Get evil out of here. Evil is wanting to destroy us. I care about these people. Would you get it out? Before you do that, we say, God, make it so we know who you really are how big you really are, how much it really matters, how much everything we do actually makes a difference, how you want us to be different. We aren't called to fit in perfectly in this world. We're called to be different because we know who you really are. So would you do whatever it takes for us to know who you really are so that we can live really for you? What if that has to come first? And I don't know if I'm even ready to pray. 
So I don't know how much we're all, where we're all at in this. But I think in this series, that's something we can wrestle with. Do we want to say, God, bring the fear of the Lord? Because we trust that if we knew better who he really was and how much it really matters, we would get delivered from evil. And we'd be able to help others get delivered from evil. But there's a reason we don't even want to think about it. It's because of our own sin. Because of our own. And when we have that, our tendency is we want to hide. There's light everywhere. I was looking for the dark spots. This is well lit today. I can't find any. And that's what it feels like. Ah, I'm out here. I'm exposed. And so I would rather pretend God doesn't really exist or see what's going on and live most of my life like that than know the lights are on me. So what we need to know is that if and when the things come up and we're aware like, I'm playing with evil, I'm missing the mark, I'm doing things, I've heard doing things wrong, we can't go hide from the Lord. We need, that's when we need to turn from the Lord. Again, I've said this I think a lot of times over the years, but our tendency think we got to get cleaned up, get rid of the evil, and then we can go be with God. Instead of like, I got the evil, I better go be with God because I can't get the evil out on my own. I need God. And that's why he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to come. I mean, this is all really bad news. If we don't have one saying like, I'll take it all. I'll take all your sin. I'll take all the evil on me. I will take it all. I will forgive you. If you want to live life with me, if you want to surrender and have life with me, I will take it all. And I will keep taking it all from you. So you don't have to carry any of that yuck or shame or any of that. I will take it all. That is his heart. And so before we go to communion, these words from Proverbs chapter, or Psalm chapter 19, where he's talking about how good God's word and commands are, and he gets to this point, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Now, this is the part to pay attention to especially, but who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. So the things I'm not even realizing that I'm doing this, Mark, would you forgive me for that? Would you also keep me from the things I do know and I'm still doing? May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. And so this morning, hearing a message, that's exposing for us if we're willing to actually, this is what it means. We're going to come to the Lord, not hide from him. Because he says, come. 
He says, come. I have made a way that you can come. With whatever junk, garbage, I, come. And just bring it all to me. And then let's walk this out together. So let's pray. God, we thank you that you've made a way. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for what he did on the cross. And we remember that today. As we take his supper, we remember that he gave his life for us, that he shed his blood for us, that he forgives us, that we can have life with you, and that he didn't just do this so long ago, but he's alive again, and we can live with him, and we want to live with him. We want him to be the leader of our lives. We want him to help us. We, we acknowledge that we don't trust, but we also say, help us to trust. Show us that you're here and you're real and do the things that you did when you walked the earth. Even today, as we take communion, heal and forgive and encourage and deliver. And thank you that you're going to come back and make all things right. That trusting you now is worth it in what's to come. Send your Holy Spirit that as we take bread and drink cup and are praying and worshiping in your presence as all this is happening, we would be more connected to you and to each other. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and broke it. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant. In my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. We're going to have four stations of elders here. There's gluten-free options uh, for the bread if you want. We're going to do a couple songs. You can come at any point you want. If you're saying, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I know I need you as my Savior, and I want you in my life. Then you're welcome to come at any point. This is the table not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come. Because it's the Lord who invites you. And it's his will that those who want him would meet him here. Elders, you may come forward.